0: Well, last week I know I busted a move for you to that music, but uh, my back's a little sore today, so I'm not going to do that again. Plus, some of you guys are really jealous of my ability. Yeah. Well, like I guess my back's bad, but uh, maybe next week. Well, you know, I'll, go. I'll scratch out on Saturday night. Um. Anyways, so Fight Club, guys, we're going to do something we haven't done before. Our other two campuses have done this, but it's called Fight Club. It's 11 weeks of challenging us in our uh, to grow mentally, emotionally, physically even, and spiritually, which is the, the biggest part of that. Um, so we're going to get a squad together up here in Northwood. And um, so kind of like how the politicians do it, you know, vote for the bill and you find out what's in it. So sign up and uh, then we'll tell you what we're doing, <laughs> okay, so... Um, You go to the Church Center app, you go up on the website, ohiograce.com, to events north um, and find, I've already signed up. In fact, I signed up before Pastor Kevin did. (laughs) Oh, there goes the back again. Um, So anyways, yeah, it should be a good thing. And what we'll end up is when, we're going to start in March. They they haven't finalized the date in March, but when we do that, we'll go down and then you can hear all about it and then kind of make the final decision whether you want to do it or not. So that's why I say sign up and then we'll hear more about it. But it's been good. Fremont's done it for I don't know how many years, 15, 18 years or something. Uh, a bunch of guys have gone through it, and so we want to join with them. So everyone on three, we had a great time last week. If you, were, uh, if you missed it, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we do this every week. So if you miss a week, you're going to miss out on some good stuff. But we had a great time worshiping the Lord together, hearing about what God has done uh, in and through our church, talking about what we believe he wants to do, uh, in and through us over the next three years. Uh, there's some brochures at the information table if you want to grab one of those if you don't have one. And uh, you can kind of look through that. If you want to meet with me and talk more about it, feel free to do that. There's commitment cards, I think, in your bulletin. Um, and so just hang on to that. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. Just take that. Take it home. Use it as a reminder to pray. And our prayer is that, one, God would uh, continue to bring people into uh, into our lives who don't know him, and we can share the gospel with them and walk with them in their lives. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've had uh, kind of a cool, I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to say who it is, but eventually I'll tell you. But we had um, people who had people in their life who didn't know Christ, who they then um, prayed with in order to accept Christ. You know, so that's like two in the last couple of weeks. So that's an awesome thing. You guys don't evidently any care, uh, but that's about, yeah, I saw you over Clark's like, hmm. so that that's awesome because we see people come to Christ. Three out of three campuses, six hundred and thirty-four uh, here in the last up through the last three years into this year, um, and a lot of times it happens in the in the room here. You know, as I'm kind of sharing the gospel, I ask people if they want to pray that kind of stuff. But the real kicker is when you guys are sharing your faith and it, you guys are praying with people as they accept Christ, and that's the awesome. Uh, part of that. So be praying that that continues to happen. Be praying that God would provide the finances necessary to do what it is we believe he's calling us to do. It'll be based on that. I mean, if we don't get the money in, then we do part of what this is. Um, But if we get more than that, then there's more that we could do. So it's that kind of thing. And then uh, just what it is that God's going to be directing you to do both in serving, because everybody needs to be involved serving on this, and giving financially. Everybody needs to be doing that as well, speaking of what God's been doing, I want to have uh, Wyatt Cook come up and Clark Schreck come up, and they're going to share a little bit about how God has used Grace Point, you guys, in, in their lives.
1: Thank you. Good morning. I am Wyatt, and I've been coming to Grace Point for probably a little over a year now, and... uh I just was eager to share because God has been doing some awesome things in my life. Um, so Grace Point has brought me a lot closer to God. Um, before I came here, um, it seemed like God was more of an afterthought. And the more I am here, the more God influences all of my thoughts throughout the day, um, no matter what it is, whether it's work or friendships, or relationships, or anything, Um, and a lot of the things that Grace Point does, uh, all the grow classes, and the reach classes, and serve, and um, Bible studies, and all that stuff, it's all helped me to get to where I'm at today, and I'm still growing a lot, and um, the people, the people is the most important thing, Um, seeing people doing life God's way, Um, some of the people that, uh, have been good examples, uh, Stan and Becky, they, I, I looked at them when I first came here, they had moved closer to Grace Point to make church the center of their lives, and I thought that was crazy at first. I was like, why would anybody do that? But now that I've grown in my own faith, it's like, I want to do the same thing, um, Logan Wolf when I first met him uh we had a lot of projects going on at the church and I think I asked him flat out I was like why do you why do you volunteer so much why do you put so much time into this church when you have your own things to worry about but now that I've been here and I've been learning and growing I want to be here all the time and helping and uh there's tons of other people but Everything that everyone here is doing, I'm seeing, and it's helping me to grow. So I just want to thank everyone for everything that you've done in my life.
2: All right. Well, thank you. I'm Clark. Um, my family and I, we've been coming here for uh, about nine months now, and because. Um, you know, just reflecting on that, it, it really seemed, um, it seems like it's been a lot longer. Uh, but, you know, what's awesome is in that nine months, you know, I, I can honestly say, like, you all feel like family. And we are so grateful uh, for, for that. Um, Harold talks, you know, a lot about our church mission, um, which is, you know, to discover truth and to decide on Jesus, to demonstrate change and to deploy to serve others and share the gospel. Prior to coming to Grace Point, for me, you know, I decided on Jesus. But you know, I wasn't demonstrating change. I wasn't discovering truth. Because I wasn't spending time you know, in God's word each day. I wasn't spending time talking to God in prayer. I was living you know, life my way, not God's way. And for me, I could say it wasn't a lack of knowledge. It was a lack of action. And, you know, I wasn't serving others or sharing the gospel because, again, I, it was it was about Clark's way, not God's way. And I can tell you, there was, you know, in my life, there was a, a void or just, a, you know, a hole like right in my heart, like an emptiness. Um, you know, you could feel it. And I would try to fill that with lots of other things. You know, I had a ton of hobbies, so I would... Uh, I would think, you know, if I could find something I like to do and I could get good enough at it, maybe that'll take that feeling away. Um, you know, so I, you know, I go to fishing and I try to be the best fisherman I could be. Um, but pretty soon, you know, that that void, that emptiness is still there. So I move on to the next thing, you know, maybe it was hunting or golfing. Um, I try to be the best hunter, the best golfer that I could be. And same thing, you know, after a little while, that emptiness is still there. Um, and you know, my wife can attest these, my, my hobbies were not cheap. I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, it, it, cause I, you know, through all this, I'm accumulating stuff, you know, and there's that thought that if, you know, I can buy the next best thing or I can get this, maybe that'll fill that, that hole. Um, and this was also, it was manifesting itself in my life in other ways too, and that, you know, at work or at home through fear and anxiety and worry and and anger. Um, And and I came to understand that, you know, there was nothing of this earth that could fill that void because only God could. And, you know, I, I came to know like God was using that to call me back to him and you know, with that understanding that, that God was, was calling me back to him, you know, that led us on a journey that, that brought us to, to Grace Point. And it was here, you know, I, I really learned that how to live life God's way, not Clark's way. You know, to spend time in God's word each day, to spend time talking to God in prayer, to serve others, to serve my church family and to walk with others as they were deciding on Jesus. Um, and I can tell you, you know, since, like, that void, that emptiness, that hole, it's gone. You know, God has filled that with joy and with peace. And it's, it's that joy, you know, and the, the peace that only God can bring. Um, you know, and, and um, I'm just, you know, so thankful for... For, for all of you, you know, in, in walking with us. Uh, and, and I can tell you, like, we still have problems. We still have issues, you know, that come up all the time. But it's different now. That fear, that worry, that anxiety is not there because I know, you know, God's got this. God's in control. And, um, you know, thankful for, for Harold, for all of you, for for helping us uh, to change, you know, and to, to live life God's way. Not my way. Thank
0: you. I appreciate that, guys. And again, it's 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 so good to hear how how God works, how God operates, and it's it's through people uh, impacting people. And uh, so, I really appreciate that. And that's what we want to continue to do. And so, we're doing some things in our building um, that we want to be able to to do. So. Uh, we'll go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, page 1159, if you're going to use the Bible there in the cheers. And um, I saw this meme on Facebook, and of course Facebook's the best place to go for Christian stuff, so, um, but no, I saw this, it said, the Apostle Paul entered heaven to the cheers of those he martyred. That's how the gospel works. And isn't that awesome? Now, here's a guy who was going around. His name was Saul at the time. God changed his name because he changed who he was. And He's going around. He's killing Christians, jailing people, um, harassing people. And then he comes to Christ. And then he starts going around sharing the gospel and, and seeing people come to Christ and starting churches. And then eventually he's martyred for his faith. He had happened to him what he was doing to others. And when he got to heaven, they're all like, Paul's here. <laughs> They're excited. You guys aren't. But as <laughs> you're all looking like guys nuts. it's kind of a cool thing, kind of a crazy thing that the gospel does and how God, when, when he saves somebody and when God, the Holy Spirit, comes into somebody, the change that happens in them. It, 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 so there's a big word I, that I just learned here recently I was in the C's in the dictionary, but counterintuitive. It goes against what we would think. Christianity always goes against what we would think. You wouldn't think people would be cheering for a guy who killed them. But they did. And here's something else that the gospel will do to people that doesn't make sense. And it's in Second Corinthians chapter 8. It says this, Now, brethren, Paul's talking to these Christians in the, the city of Corinth. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace or this gift of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, what is this gift that God has given them? It's this, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. That's kind of a lot of big words there for someone like me. So basically, the gift that God had given them, was the ability for them to give financially to those who were in need, and specifically in Jerusalem. So he allowed them to have the follow-through that they needed. For I testify that according to their ability, and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. In other words, nobody guilted them into it. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. Those are the persecuted Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And this, not as we had expected. Paul wasn't expecting them to do this. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Out of this, these verses, we pull a truth for life that doesn't make sense. Okay, I just want to make sure we understand it. Because again, following Christ in the eyes of people who are not Christians and even some Christians who aren't quite getting it yet doesn't make sense. And here it is, living out our salvation. So if you're here this morning and you're not a a Christian, you're kind of checking things out, you're not really sure, this is good for you to hear. Because when you give your life to Christ, when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, and you place your faith in Christ, he forgives you of your sins, he places God, the Holy Spirit, in your life, and you can be certain that you're going to go to heaven one day. Not hell, but heaven, which is awesome. But he's also taking your life and he's changing it so that you now are going to be on mission with him, helping other people know who Christ is, who are getting saved, who get to go to heaven, who get to give their lives over to Christ for him to use. So it's a good thing for you guys to hear, because you might as well count the cost before you make the decision. But living out our salvation means we'll give sacrificially and eagerly to the work of Christ through our church. Now, how can I say that? Because we just read it. You know, sometimes people are like, huh, where did you get that from, Pastor? Well, I just read five verses, and in those five verses, that's what God is telling us, and that's what Paul is trying to get the Corinthian Christians to understand, and he wants us to understand it. Now, you remember the church in uh, Thessalonica? i got to think about that word every time I say it because it's too difficult for this mouth to, to say. The church in Thessalonica, we talked about them last week. We went through a series uh Previously, there two, uh two books or two letters that Paul wrote. So these guys, <clears throat> they imitated Jesus. Remember, Paul said, hey, you guys are imitators of Jesus Christ, meaning that they were sacrificing themselves, their wants, their desires, now we know their finances, to make sure that they were taking care of their Christian brothers and sisters as well as non-Christian people and sharing the gospel. They were doing what Jesus... What it is it? Why do we say around here? We're, do life God's way. Do life Christ's way, not our way. And so they they were demonstrating a sacrificial love. They were an example to all the churches, Paul says, in Macedonia and in Achaia. So they were an example. They were doing it so well. Paul's like, look at these guys. These guys are doing it. They were taking Paul's challenge to excel still more because you you just... You know, God's done some great things in five years, and our church is, you know, a great church. And, you know, I love hanging out with you guys, and I know you guys love hanging out with each other. But there's a danger that we can just go, okay, we like this, let's stay like this. That's not the job. That's not the mission. And so they were excelling still more, and we challenged everybody last week, we need to excel still more. They were, in this case, sacrificially giving to the Jewish Christians. How do I say that? Or why do I say that? Because Thessalonica was in Macedonia. Corinth was in Achaia. Paul said, you guys are examples to the Christians in Macedonia, where you're at, and Achaia, where Corinth is at. And now Paul's writing to the Corinthian Christians saying, here's your example. Those Christians in Macedonia, those Christians in Thessalonica. So these non-Jewish Christians, they weren't just an example of sharing the gospel with people and discipling people. They were also an example of gospel-motivated giving to their Jewish brothers and sisters. The Jews had placed their faith in Christ in Jerusalem, and the Corinthian Christians, and us today, we need to learn a lesson from them. So Paul's project was the the, uh, the Christians in Jerusalem, these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, were being persecuted, and so they were losing their jobs, they were They didn't have the finances they needed, so they were going hungry. It was a mess. We don't know anything about that here. We're all wealthy. We all ate this morning. If you didn't eat, it's because you chose not to. We don't know what persecution is. We don't know what it means to be poor. But these guys in Jerusalem and these guys in Thessalonica, they knew what it meant to be poor. So Paul's challenging the Corinthian Christians, hey, you guys need to get in on this. You need to be helping us support our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Now, the the focus of this passage that we're looking at today and then next week is just really the, the, the motivation behind giving financially. All right. So some of you guys are going to be, well, I want the details here. I want to know a tithe. What's a tithe? Is that ten percent, or do I give more than ten percent, or do I give weekly? Do I give my? Give me the details. I got something for you if you want the details. That's this Saturday, the grow class. And in a grow class, we talk about a bunch of different things. Part of it is giving. So you can sign up, Church Center app, or ohiograce.com, events, Northwood. Find a grow class, sign up. We've got four or five people signed up already, and we'll go through that. I'll give you the specifics. And some of you guys are going, I can't give them. I said, no, the specifics. No. Well, we're not going to give you the specifics today. It's going to be the motivation behind that. So our project, as we're looking at this, is to raise these funds for these three goals that we have. The children's area, hiring um, a pastoral resident, and then together with the other campuses, pooling our finances together to help launch another campus, to reach more people for Christ in another area of northwest Ohio. But for us to do this, everyone who's a follower of Christ, who's a part of our church family, needs to be involved in that. They need to be involved serving and giving, both of these things. Not one or the other, but both. Why? Because God calls us to do that. Now, this EO3, this Everyone on 3 campaign, whatever you want to call it, is what we call over and above giving. So we need to be faithful to continue to give as we've committed to God for what we call our regular offering or our, our operating budget. These non-exciting terms, right? And God has blessed our church family through you guys and through us. You know, we've been giving, and God's been doing some great things, and we're in a good position financially. But for us to continue to excel still more, we need to do what we call an over-and-above giving. So this is going to be a sacrificial step on our part, but we want it to be an eager step on our part as well. So before I get into this specifically, I just want to give us a reminder, and it's important for us. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail here, but I think it's important for us to, uh, to remind ourselves, how does God view our possessions, our finances? Because a lot of times we look at it and we say, and again, I, we get it, but sometimes we get it too much and we say, well, my finances or my house or you know my, 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 me, 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 I, 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 when that gets us an idea that it's, that it's ours for us to do with what we want to do. But here's what God says, just really quickly, just a summary. And as Genesis 2, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. So everything that we see is God's. Everything that man has been able to produce has been able to produce because God allowed us to be able to produce those things. It's all God's. And so then he creates Adam and Eve, and before Eve is created, he creates Adam, and he takes Adam and he puts him in the garden. And the idea there is, hey, Adam... This is yours to manage. This is God's. This is mine. God speaking. This is mine. But I'm putting you there, and I'm going to provide for your needs. You manage it the way I say for you to manage. And if you do that, everything is yours. I'm going to give you all that you need. Now, of course, they thought that they knew better than God, and they wanted it for themselves, and we know what we have today, and therefore we're all sinners. We're all a mess, thanks to Adam and Eve. Psalm 24 tells us that the earth and all who are on it are the Lord's. Just kind of a reminder based off of Genesis 2. So every one of us, Christians and non-Christians, ultimately we're all gods. The difference is some of us, the Christians, have placed our faith in Christ. God's forgiving them, and now we're in a relationship with him. That he, We are his child, and He's our father. Or he is our master, and we're his servants. The point being is where a non believer doesn't realize it's all coming from God, as Christians we should realize it all comes from God and all goes back to God. At least be willing to give it back to God and not just do whatever it is that we want to do with what He's given us. Because that's not why He's given it to us. He's given it to us, to us to meet needs, to do life his way. In Deuteronomy, which is the Old Testament, he tells Israel. Hey, of all, this, all that I give you, I want you to give back to me 10%. That's what we call a tithe. And so they were to do that, but they were also do an over and above giving. So yes, 10%, but as God blessed them, and they recognized that that was God blessing them, then they were supposed to give over and above that 10%. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, we'll talk about it next week, <clears throat> things change. When Christ died on the cross, he wiped out the law. We don't have to live by the law. The law of love, yes, but not the law of Moses. And so what God does is he kind of puts it back on us. And he says, hey, you give financially what you think you should give based on all that I've given you. I hate that. Right? I mean, give me the 10%. You know, Oh, 20%? I can hit the 20%. Give me a number. No, he says, no, I want to know where your heart's at. Do you trust me? Do you believe all that you have is mine? Are you willing to give it all up? He wants our heart. Again, I hate that. That's what he does. So everything we have, our finances, our jobs, our homes, our cars, our toys, our children, our parents, everything we have, is God's, not so we can go play and have fun. I mean, we can enjoy them that he's given us. But it's not for that purpose alone. It's not just for us to get something out of it. It's for us to use those things in order to accomplish the mission that God's given us. So I'll just give you a little real quick story. I wasn't, it's one of my notes and probably shouldn't tell you this. Back in the day, I bought myself, 1987, a long time ago. Some of you kids are like, wow, he is old. He looks old. He is old. I bought myself a Suzuki Samurai. Anybody remember the Suzuki Samurai? Ragtop. Yeah. The engine was a 27cc. In a vehicle. Anyway, if I wanted to go 55, because back then the speed limit was 55, not 70, I had to get behind a semi-truck and draft. Otherwise, I couldn't get 55 miles an hour. Brand spanking new, drove it off the showroom floor, Got it in May. In June, we have a flood. And so my Suzuki was set up so you can go into the water with it. So I have a friend who's not a believer. So they were doing sandbagging in the south side of town. So I'm like, let's go. He goes, what do you mean? Let's go do some sandbagging, and then we'll deliver sandbags to people. This will be fun. He's like, what vehicle? Mine. (laughs) So here we are, brand spiky new little Suzuki Samurai, rag top off, because you can get it all wet. This is awesome. We had sandbags and things riding like this. We were going through floodwaters. People are yelling at us, you know, causing a wake, you know, all kinds of Hey, we're trying to help. Anyway, he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. I had done it. I did it, one, just be honest, because I thought it would be kind of fun to do with driving through the water. But there's also the other side of me going, you know, this is God's, and so I'm just, you know, I'll use it for this purpose. And uh, it was kind of fun. But eventually, I was sandwiched <clears throat> in an accident, and so it went away. But... <clears throat> Probably good that it did go away, because that thing was really kind of a piece of junk. but the point is that piece of junk I gave to the Lord, and the Lord was able to use it in such a way that my unsafe friend was pretty well shocked. But the point is, God gives us what we have for His use, and then we get to participate in His mission. So that takes us back to Second Corinthians, and this, we want to see the how and the why as to why they give as they, they gave as they did. And the first thing it tells us is that they gave it as a gift from God. So Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace or this gift of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, grace, that word means, in the Greek, it's charis, which means gift, something that we don't deserve. Just like when you guys give gifts to each other, you know, may not deserve it. But it's kind of a two part thing here. One, God's gift to the Macedonian believers, even though we'll find out that they. They didn't have any money. God's gift to them was that even though they were poor, he was going to make it possible for them to give financially to these Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Then they considered the opportunity as a gift from God. Like, Oh, hey, thank you, Lord. We have nothing, and they need something. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. It became a gift to them. Now, again, we know from 1 Thessalonians, they'd already received God's grace is salvation and so with that now they've become children of God they became co-workers with Christ whatever you want to call them but they they've given their lives to Christ and now everything they had they were going to give to Christ because it's his anyways and so they're developing and growing in this um, sacrificial love that we talked about last week so God gives them salvation they understand that everything they have is His, so then they start reaching out because God is developing them again you have to kind of go back next week or last week. God's developing them the love of Christ in them, the willingness and desire to sacrifice for others. And so now they're getting to be able to demonstrate Christ-like love, be able to give grace or to give gifts. And so they were just being obedient to what God called them to do. They were imitating Jesus. They were giving the opportunity to represent who Jesus is to these who are already believers. And so God was producing in them, as First Thessalonians tells us, God was excelling in them love, sacrificial love. And they saw this op- as an opportunity To experience that even more, God had already been doing stuff in their lives. God had already been providing for them and meeting their needs. God had already seen people coming to Christ. They were already walking with people who accepted Christ. They were discipling people, but now they had the opportunity to put their money into it and to be able to give to these. And they're just like, hey, here's another way we can do this. Let's join in. So one author says, God was the source of grace, the necessary, in other words, the necessary financial gift. And the Macedonian Christians were the instruments through which his grace, this financial gift, flowed. And so everything we have is God's, it's his grace, and then it flows through us as we give what God has given us. Now, we know their life wasn't easy. And here's how Paul describes it. So here's some of the things that were going on. So when they gave, they gave sacrificially. Why? Because it was a great uh, great ordeal of affliction or deep poverty the word great there polos means crushing again we don't know what persecution is we don't know what it means to be poor these people did their persecution was just crushing in on them people were being arrested people were losing their jobs people were losing their families people were being killed it was crushing and it was deep poverty extreme poverty dirt poor poverty they didn't have anything; they were just barely able to make it as they worked together to make their lives happen. But despite the persecution, despite despite having no money, weird, they came together and gave financially. Again, doesn't make sense. But when God's at work, sometimes it's like, well, how did how did that happen? Well, it's only God at work. So, what would motivate people to give up the money that they did get? You now, why would they want to give it away? I mean, they had needs, right? Why would they take some of it and give it away? Well, it says that they gave out of joy. Great deal, ordeal of affliction. Their abundance of joy. The word abundance, <clears throat> we're going to see this later, too. It means excess or overflow. It's beyond the ordinary. Like, this is almost like supernatural. You know, it just doesn't make really any sense. Joy. Here's one of the uh, times that this word charis, charis is used, different English words, but the base of charis, grace, gift, is used like 10 times in chapters 8 and 9. And so here's one of them. Joy, the joy that God gives us is a gift from God. It's a gift that God gives us. It's not found in anything else. As Clark was saying, I just thought it was so cool, because both these guys, I, didn't, I asked them a question, what has God done uh, through our, our church family for you, spiritually? They gave the answers. They didn't know what I was preaching on today. But both of them, we could have just left. We're not going to. We could have just left after what they said, because what they're saying is exactly what we're learning here. So there's joy, this inner gladness, this deep sense of certainty in a person's life. That's something only God can give us. Nothing else that for us, whatever you think or whatever I think might give us that joy, wipe it out of your mind, it's a lie. Because only we get that from Christ. How do I know that? Well, First Thessalonians 3, it tells us that they were imitating Jesus. They were doing what Jesus did when he was on this earth. They were doing life the way God wanted them to do it. Jesus says in John seventeen thirteen as he's praying for us, because he's praying for us in that chapter as well, he says, I'm giving them this these words, this to do, so that my joy may be full in them. Jesus' joy full in us. If you're looking for anything else in this world to bring you joy, ain't going to happen. I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. You want joy? You want certainty in your life? Then do it God's way. That's what Jesus is saying. That's where joy comes from. Nothing produces that kind of joy. A deep-seated certainty. And so they, they gave sacrificially out of this joy because they've, they've seen God working in them. they seen God working through them They've been praying for stuff, and God's been providing for people in their lives. And they're seeing people come to Christ, and they're helping people grow in their relationship. The joy that's set between the affliction and the poverty is only something Jesus can bring when we do it His way. What comes out of us when life squeezes us like a tube of toothpaste? What comes out of us is what's in us. What came out of the Thessalonian believers was joy. Why? Because what was in them is a desire to do life God's way. Which is not, doesn't make any sense to anybody else. And sadly, to a lot of Christians, it doesn't make sense. When life squeezes us, what comes out of us? What kind of response do we have? These guys saw the opportunity to see God do even more than what he's already been doing because they wanted to grow in that relationship. They wanted to know Christ better. They wanted to understand who he was. It's not our circumstances. It's not our relationships. It's not our finances. It's not our toys. It's not our hobbies that bring us joy. Jesus Christ, doing life his way, imitating Jesus So this strange combination also brought this overflow of liberality. Now, what's that? When you think about liberality, we think it's generous. Well, no, we're going to talk about generosity. This is something a little bit different. This word means single-focused or have a single purpose. In other words, they're people of integrity. They followed through on the commitment that they made. So it overflowed. This is the uh, verb form of abundance. So it just, just like joy, this, Desire to make sure they committed to what they were going to do and then do it was just like in excess. It was like, wow, these guys are like, we're going to make sure this happens. Nothing's going to get in their way. And this wealth of liberality, it's not talking about money here. It's talking about this abundance of integrity. Like, again, it's like these people are, if you talk to them, they'd be like making sure they're checking every bit of money that they have. Okay, this is the commitment we made, so we're going to give that, and we have this much left over. You know, Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that but we're going to really pay attention here. They were, they were making sure that they were going to hit this commitment. just kind of like this. They, let's say they got two bucks. <clears throat> because, again, they weren't real wealthy people. So let's say they got two bucks, uh, or they committed, I'm sorry, they committed to, to give two bucks, maybe two bucks a week, whatever, to the Christians in Jerusalem. So <clears throat> they get paid that week. They used to get paid per day. So at the end of the week, they got bills to pay, so what they do is they take, "This is my commitment to Christ." boom, and they give her two dollars. Now they have eight bucks left. With that eight bucks, they paid their bills. They, they gave regularly to church, they paid their bills, socked them away for savings. And I don't know, I don't know what they did back then. But the point being is, they took the first that they received and they gave it to Christ, in other words, the Jewish believers. And then whatever was left, they trusted God that he was going to provide for them. Now, it may mean that they needed to be a little more wise with their money. Maybe they didn't need so much stuff, or it was more of a wand, so they had to make adjustments, whatever the case, but then God provides. And so so they gave faithfully. They made sure that the first thing they did is they gave that to the Lord, and then they gave everything else. Because God will give you what you've committed to him to give. When we commit to God, I want to give you this, and then we give it to him first, he's going to make sure everything else works out. Again, we may have to make some decisions here and there, because maybe we're not living as faithfully as he wants us to that way. Well, then Paul goes on and tells the Christians that the believers, that these people did this out of their own desire. They weren't coerced. There was no guilt trips or manipulations going on. So he says that they gave willingly. Now, gave according to their ability beyond their ability of their own accord. So I'm wrapping this all together. Ability means that in the Greek is dunamis. It's only used twice in the, in the New Testament, and it means it refers to supernatural power. So the, the fact these people were so poor that it, God was supernaturally providing for them financially, and so then they realized that, and so they're going to give. But then they gave beyond because God was continuing to provide for them. So at the end of the month, when there's a little bit left, they're like, hey, let's give a portion of this to God. And so they were giving even beyond what they had originally given because they had chosen to do it faithfully. And so God gave them more when they were willing to give more. And they gave according to their own accord. They weren't manipulated. They weren't coerced. And I really hope you guys realize I'm not trying to manipulate anybody here, right? Coerce anybody. I'm just saying, hey, we need to get before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? And let me also say this. I told it a 9 o'clock service. And a lot of people say, well, church is all about money. Oh, church is all about money. We don't talk a lot about money. And we're not looking, if you notice in the brochure, there's no picture of a canary yellow 72 vet. There's no picture of a, um, of a summer house for Pastor Harold and his wife. You know, there's no... Uh, jet. This is not about, you know, trying to make my life better on you guys. This is us pooling our resources that God has given us together to impact Northwest Ohio for Christ. If you ever wonder about that, just come to my house and you'll see there's a 92 pickup truck that's sitting in the garage. I'm driving my son's 94 pickup truck because, I mean, we we don't live high in a hog the elders make sure of that, but the elders certainly make sure we're taken care of. But it's not this is not about getting more for us. This is about we together. And so not only did they give willingly, but they gave eagerly. It says that they begged Paul to let them give. Which, by the way, this is usually hundred percent different than what happens in churches, right? These people who have no money are begging Paul and his team. let us give. And it's almost like Paul is saying, Hey, we tried to stop them. We tried to tell them, Listen, you guys, you're hardly eating. You guys are, you're hardly having anything in your houses if you even have a house. Some of you guys are living together because, you know, it's, you know, you have several families together because you can't afford to be on your own. You feel, don't, don't give. You don't feel like you need to. And they're like, No, begging. We want to. Much urging. This, this much urging, same word as Paulus. So the same word used to describe the affliction, the persecution they were having, was the same word that Paul's using for them saying, hey, we want to help. They're crushing in on Paul and his team. We want to do this. We want God to use us. We want to see God working. And so they wanted to participate. That's that, you know, Christians love this word, koinonia. You know, fellowship. We think of Pies. These guys are thinking, no, we want to sacrifice for Christ. And so they join together. Those who are the closest in our church churches are those who are doing this. If you wonder, man, it's, people seem to get along real well. Yeah, because they're doing this. All right, got to move on. So why? So, so that's how they did it. But what's the why? Why did they do it? Last one, they gave obediently. They gave obediently because they gave of themselves first to Christ. Their lives were all about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ had called them to do, and that is to make disciples. That is to serve the church family. That is to share the gospel with people. They understood that everything they had was from God, from their salvation to everything else in their life was from God, to be used for Christ and his mission, because this was according to the will of God. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? People ask me all the time. You know, Pastor, help me. I just need to know what God's will is for my life. And a lot of times, it's about jobs or about relationships or you know, whatever. Well, let's do what the let's do what God has stated in His Word first, as to what is His will, and then let's worry about all the side will stuff. The will that He states here is that we give sacrificially and eagerly to what God's doing in our church family. That's his will for our lives. That's what we as Christians, as those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, whether we know it or not, maybe we're learning this for the first time, whether we like it or not, because I know I struggle at times with this, (laughs) everything is his. Everything is for his use. And in that, we'll experience the joy of Christ. I don't know if you notice here, but there's no money mentioned. No amount of money has been mentioned. Why? Because God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the heart. God could just speak and our needs would be met. What he cares about is us being willing to be dependent on him, to come to him, to develop this relationship where we turn to him and he meets our needs and we go back to him and he meets our needs and we go back to him and he... he, meets our needs. It's about our heart. It's about, do we really, are we really trusting God or are we really about this mission that God has given us? So, what's the takeaways for today? What, are we, what should we be kind of thinking about? First one, have you given yourself, I mean all areas of your life, first to Jesus? Money, as well as everything else, is everything you have, is everything that I have, Can I honestly say, God, this is yours, open hands, for your use, for your honor, your glory. I'm not saying that we all get rid of everything and we all, you know, become destitute. Because God wants us to enjoy the good gifts that he gives us. we're, We're to enjoy what we have. We're to use what he gives us in order to meet our needs. But are we willing to say everything is his and everything can be his if he asks us to give it up. Secondly, do you give financially to your church? If Grace Point is your home church, are you giving financially? Maybe the EO3 project is where you start. But God's commanded us to give, to give financially. As he directs, So he leaves it up to us as kind of on our relationship with him. And then thirdly, Do you see your ability to give as a gift from God? Not to be a burden. Giving financially in a sacrificial eager way is a way for us to experience this Christ-like joy. What he's going to produce in us. Again, only Jesus can give that joy. And only us imitating Christ can give us that joy. Let's go ahead and stand. We're closing prayer.